Hello and welcome to the Language Revolution podcast. My name is Kate Hamilton. I'm a languages teacher and founder of Babel Babies. The aim of this podcast is to get people talking about talking. So without further ado, let's get started. Today I'm talking to Dr. Katerina Kantatsis, or Katerina Draper, from the University of Gloucestershire. She's a senior lecturer in psychology and an expert in child language acquisition. Hi, Kat. Hello. Morning. Thanks for coming in and chatting to me. Thank you for having me. Um, so we are going to talk about how do children learn to speak, because it's a really amazing process. Yeah. And we'd like to understand what are the stages and some of the things that parents can do to support their children learning language or Absolutely. languages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, talk us through a little bit then. So when do children start learning to speak? Well, I think, um, I think people will be surprised to hear that actually it starts in the womb. Okay. Um, sort of mid to late pregnancy, we know that sound waves are going through to the womb. Baby's going to be able to be picking up. Their mm-hmm. ears are starting to develop. So they're getting that stimulation really, mm-hmm. really early on. Um, and sort of evidence for this is mm. that as soon as they're born, babies who are a few hours old can actually tell their mother's voice. They can oh, wow. distinguish between their native language, for example. Mm-hmm. And we do this um, through an experimental method called the high amplitude sucking paradigm. Okay. So what we know is that babies that, who find things sort of um, familiar or interesting will suck harder on a dummy than right. those who, if it's not something that they're particularly interested in so they become stimulated by it if you like okay um so we've got these special dummies mm-hmm. um that have sensors in them mm. and um what we found was that when baby listened to their mother's voice compared yeah. to just another female voice they sucked harder mm. when they heard their mother's voice um and equally when they heard their native language over a different mm. language mm. or even their native language paid in in sort of the right order mm-hmm. versus their native language pay, played in reverse order oh right so if they hear say they're an english yeah. uh, speaking baby uh, yeah. if they hear english backwards yeah they, 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 don't, they don't like it like, yeah okay. they don't like it so they're, they're really in tune to mm. sort of a obviously the sound of their mother's voice mm. but b their language, what it sounds like, the types of intonations, what to expect mm-hmm. the sound pattern to look like or sound like, if you like. So it's about the kind of the intonation and like the rhythm yeah. of it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. amazing. So when they're in, um, yeah, so when, when you're pregnant, your baby can hear the rhythm and then they're ready to recognise this at, yeah. at birth. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So when they're born, what are the first sort of steps that they go through to learn to speak yeah so when they're they're basically they're constantly learning to Mm. speak if you like from day one you Mm. know they are becoming Mm. communicative beings you know they're they're crying they're smiling Mm. they're gurgling Mm. all of that Mm. is allowing that communication pattern to start Mm -hmm. we know as new parents that um, you know, when your baby starts making a sound, at first mm. it'll be crying, mm-hmm. we respond to it. So we mm. show them that you're making a sound, you're mm. producing this vocalisation, mm. and I, as somebody else in the world, I'm going to respond to that. Okay. I'm going to give you a cuddle, or mm. I'm going to change your nappy, or I'm mm. going to see if you need a feed. Mm-hmm. You know, all of this is the beginnings of that communication, that yeah. social interaction mm-hmm. that shows babies that these noises and these facial mm. expressions and these gestures that mm. I produce, because that's all, all of those form mm. language, are important and people respond to them. 
So it's actually part of the care process. So the baby is trying to extract care from you. (laughs) Absolutely. It's so important. You know, Mm. if you can imagine, you know, thousands of years ago, we'd have been in the wild Mm. and baby needed to make sure that its parents were going to Mm. look out for it when it was in danger. And so making sure that that sort of instinctual process of you're listening to me, you're responding to me, you like me because I'm smiling at you. Yeah. You know, all of that is Mm. ensuring their survival. Mm. So it is actually a survival mechanism to to get your caregivers to come and basically not abandon you in the forest. Yeah. Because human babies are quite useless, really, aren't they? They really are. It's um, (laughs) it's not particularly my area of expertise, but Mm. um, apparently human babies are born much earlier Mm. in terms of their development Mm. than pretty much any other species you well, know if you think of you know the, the standard farmyard animals they're up yeah. and walking within mm. a day or two if that you know yeah. sometimes it's even mm. sooner than that but well. human babies take months so yes. yeah it's they they really mm. need that care and support from mm. their parents they need to make sure that their parents are responding to them mm. so it starts straight away at birth they are eliciting mm-hmm. our responses so yeah um as they go through the first few weeks then yeah they are actually you know perceiving and, and, and developing yeah. their communication yeah. skills. And actually, sorry, I'm going to go back a step because I forgot to say mm. that even before they're born, mm. they're starting that communication pattern. You know, okay. we've all got the classic mm. um, example of baby jumps when they when there's a loud mm. noise and when they're in mm. the womb, they yeah. respond to a loud noise oh, or well. maybe their cat purring mm. or something on the mm. mum's tummy, you know, mm-hmm. they might respond to that. So there's always mm. things that mums say that, oh, yeah, baby always used to react to, mm-hmm. you know, so-and-so. Yeah. Um, so I would say even that's maybe the beginnings mm. of that communication process. Mm-hmm. So sorry, going back to what you were saying. So in the first weeks, they're developing, they're starting to think about, you know, how am I going to communicate? They're listening to language. They're looking for that really important parent carer sorry mm-hmm. child carer interaction mm-hmm. um which is important on on many levels but language as well where the parent and the child almost develop sort of this dance sequence mm-hmm. where they they're communicating and they're mm-hmm. chatting and they're giggling and maybe mummy or, or daddy um is tickling them for example mm-hmm. yeah and babies often become overstimulated for example mm-hmm. And they might look away or they might get a bit sort of quieter. Mm-hmm. And mum, typically it's mum, so I'm going to refer to mum, but obviously it can be anyone who's mm. interacting with a child, very quickly becomes sensitive to mm. those sort of patterns of communication where baby's going, hang on a minute, I need a break now. Yeah. Um, and so then, the cues, would you call them? Absolutely, the yeah. cues that the mm. baby's giving to say that, okay, I'm ready to interact now and give me lots of smiles and mm. lots of giggles and tickles. And actually, now I need a bit of a break, you know, Um, just stop for a second. And then in a few seconds or a few minutes, I might pick back up Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. So they're really developing that social Mm. dance Mm. um, with their caregivers to make sure that they're um, creating that interaction. It it almost feels like a chemical process. It's like some, you know, sometimes I look back at the videos of my first child, like in the early days, and I can't see what. You know, mm-hmm. why, why was I videoing him? He, yeah. wasn't, he wasn't actually doing anything. But at the time, I was so incredibly sort of sensitive to every movement Absolutely. and everything. You know, if you show someone else who's not, you know, interested yeah. in your baby this video, it's like, are they actually doing yeah. anything? They yeah. just look like they're lying there. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And that's, that's, yeah. Really te- that's a really good mm. example of a parent 
being really sensitive to mm. small changes, or, mm. you know, but which are huge developments for the baby. Yeah. But actually for a third person, mm. they're kind of going, mm, right, that's nice. this is interesting, <laughs> great, thanks for sharing. So a new, like a new baby's got a really rapid um, sort of acqui- acquisition of the world, basically, mm-hmm. haven't they? And mm-hmm. they've got billions of new synapses. Absolutely, yeah, they've got and, loads. So the yeah, first yeah. two years, they've got um, just keep um, producing and strengthening and using all these thousands and millions and billions of synapses in their Mm. brain um and it's sort of by the age of two Mm. um evidence currently shows that we've got more synapses than we'll ever have in our brain so So, i heard a really good example recently which was somebody said that if a two-year-old's having a tantrum over something because they think what you're doing is wrong because of all these synapses the toddler's probably right (laughs) Um, which i thought was quite a funny comforting to to parents (laughs) because they've got way more brain connections than you do um but Mm. no jokes aside you Mm. know they are they're they're learning everything they're just Mm. absorbing everything in the world you Mm. know in a couple of months you're you know new Mm. parents will be starting to hear Mm. noises coming from the babies Mm. you know the the cooing the Mm. the gurgling the classics of Mm. practicing using Mm. their vocal cords even the crying Mm. that screaming that Mm. you know the high pitch that that's opening their lungs Mm. it's getting their vocal cords working it's all interacting Mm -hmm. to make this being that mm. will, in you know, within twelve months, start producing their first because words. It's a physical process as well, isn't it? As a you know, um, it's not just Absolutely. I know I want to say this. Yeah. It's like how do I get the air yeah. through the vocal folds and out of my mouth? It's yeah. it's actually really complex. Yeah. And shaping your mouth yeah. and and where your tongue needs to be in mm. the mouth in order to produce the right sounds. Mm-hmm. Don't start thinking about it when you're talking because mm. you'll get really like mm. tongue twisted. Mm. But you know what your mouth is actually doing on a physical level, mm. is is really mm. quite mm. amazing. Yes, it's a really complex process. So they start to say things at mm-hmm. around what kind of age? Like, So most parents will say that baby will will say, you know, mama or dada or gaga or, mm. you know, one of these very simple um, CVCV sounds, as we call them. So constant vowel, constant vowel. So sort mm-hmm. of combining those noises so together. Ma- Exactly. Um, And often parents will think, oh, they've said the first word. Mm. Um, And actually, you know, this could be why um, in most languages that Mm. I know of, Mm. um, mum is is around the sounds of ma and ma, Mm -hmm. you know, variations of Lots of languages, mama or mama, um, there's a ma involved. Absolutely. Because it does tend to be some of the first sounds that babies combine and is that just because mums by sort of six months were desperate to be recognized yeah i think so i think so you know going back to our argument on evolution Mm. um they need to survive they Mm. need to make sure that mums are you know really in tune with them and excited Mm. and they're sort of we know that by six or seven months you might be exhausted you Mm. might be you know you need yes. that it's that been a long word. six months yeah. by the time you've got to six Absolutely. months Absolutely. so i don't think it's a coincidence mm. i think mm. you know nature mm. and humanity has mm. worked very well together to create this sort of mm-hmm. period don't give um, up now mum exactly. i'm just i just yeah. said your name yes yeah. exactly yeah um so that happens around six to seven months mm-hmm. and then by about 12 months we're hearing sort of clear first words mm-hmm. so and they can be really random you mm. know they're often things like up mm. or um 
you know, if you've got a cat, they might mm. label the cat because that mm-hmm. just happens to be something that they're well, it's a in highly tune frequent with. object. Exactly. Isn't it? Um, yeah. So that's when sort of maybe the more mm. like they're not random, but more random, not just mama and dada, mm. might come up as about twelve months. Okay, and so around twelve months, what they might have like one or two or yeah, how, yeah. one or two words. Mm. Um, you know, and then all the way up to sort of the first two years, which is mm. sort of this explosion of language mm. where they go from sort of single words and suddenly you realise they're putting two words together. And mm-hmm. before you know it, they're putting three and mm. then it's five, six, ten. Mm. Before you know it, they're singing the words to all the mm. songs that they know. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, th- around about two years, you're expecting them to start forming those mm-hmm two to three word sentences yeah um but again, so things like daddy gone i remember exactly yeah yeah <laughs> i remember saying well yeah i'm still here yeah. <laughs> but yeah so daddy gone and you know um things like cars and buses yeah. these were yeah. really interesting you know yeah. oh look bus yeah so yeah. often it'll be mm. look something mm. or yeah. up or you know mm-hmm. some families really stress mm. saying please so it mm. might be water please mm-hmm. you know just those very mm-hmm. simple and more I remember my more children saying one, you know yeah. more of something yeah absolutely. okay um so you go through um so about 18 months you're saying maybe some yeah uh, wider vocabulary yeah. and some word yeah. pairs and absolutely um, and then what comes after that sort of stage? So by the time they're two, are we thinking they've got... By the time they're yeah. two, you might be, you know, you'd be hoping that they've got a, a, a good-sized vocabulary. Mm. Um, it really varies You've heard about 50 words yeah. average, but, yeah. you know, there's... Around about that. Important to stress, I think, there isn't an exact no, number. absolutely so, not. Yeah. Absolutely not. Mm. Um, you know, it's around about that. Some will have way more and some will have much fewer mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um so it's, a re- it's a range, really, it isn't is, it? It is, yeah. absolutely. And yeah. it's the, that's the thing with all of sort of research and psychology in particular is that we're looking for sort of mm. means, as we call them. So mm. what does the, what's the average? And as mm. you say, there's people who, babies or children, mm. who will fall at the mm. lower end of that range mm-hmm. and people and babies will fall at the higher end of that mm-hmm. range and you know yeah. within reason mm-hmm. it's it's all fine so it's pretty useless actually to compare yeah. you know babies within a baby group you yeah. know so if you know your child is yeah. you know, saying one or two things and someone yeah. else is saying 10 you can yeah. feel a bit worried Absolutely. perhaps but yeah. are there some markers for Absolutely. things that if you know perhaps you know you might be concerned if yeah, you know, I think um, one of the really important things and one of the first things to develop is um, the social eye gaze, as we call it. Mm. Um, and that's where baby will look from an object back to, say, the mum, if mm. that's who's present, um, and wait for that label to be given. So they okay. might see something, say they've, got, they've just seen a dog mm. for the first time mm. or they've just become aware of a mm. dog in the park. Um, and they look at the dog and they look back at the mum mm. and they... And the mum needs to be in tune mm. at what the baby's been looking at mm-hmm. and label it. Okay. Um, and that's really important, that interaction, mm. that sort of triangulation of I'm looking at something, you're saying a word, mm-hmm. and I'm sort of labelling that object in the world. You're actually really taking me back now, because I, I remember, you know, you're having a conversation with someone who's not speaking, mm-hmm. but you actually do yeah. know that they are seeking out this yeah, information. Absolutely. So you go, oh yes, look, look, yeah. it's a dog. Yeah. Well done. You and know. it can go the other yeah. way as well, that, you know, you think, oh gosh, they've never seen a double-decker bus before mm, mm-hmm. and you go oh, look it's a big bus for mm. example or you know you might choose mm. to call it a double-decker bus it mm. depends um yeah. and 
you know, you go, oh, look at the big bus mm. and baby will look at you and back at the object that you're pointing at or mm -hmm. looking at. Mm -hmm. um, so this is called, what did you say? The Social eye gaze. Social eye yeah. gaze. Okay. So, and this is a precursor to yeah. taking conversational yeah, sort of turns back and, and forth. It, it's an indication that mm. babies are interested, mm. you know, so what we really care about at about two years is not necessarily the number of words, mm. is are they interested because that's really yeah. important. If they're interested in learning words, if they're interested in labeling objects in the world, mm -hmm. then, you know, we're pretty confident mm. that, you know, things are fine. They'll, and, they'll and pick it will up all come together. The words eventually. Yeah. Um, you know, if, and, and that's something to encourage, you know, if parents are a bit worried for whatever reason, mm. then, you know, do that social referencing. Mm. And you can, you can start off really close. So, you know, maybe holding an object mm. and showing mm. baby what it's called. And then mm. eventually you can point to it. So I mean, this presumably is why reading is really yeah. good. So if you've got, you know, a book and you're talking about the pictures and, yeah. you know, and then when you're out, you say, oh, look, and there's a dog like yeah. in our book, yeah. Harry McClary. Yeah. <laughs> we love Harry McClary. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's really just about... You know, not waiting for them to be productive, but just that they're paying attention. Absolutely. You can tell that they're listening. Yeah. And, and if you think about it, the whole process mm. of learning language is really complicated. Mm. You know, you're making this noise that's coming out of your mouth mm. and baby has to understand that the particular pattern of sounds that's coming out of your mouth mm -hmm. labels a specific object or event Mm -hmm. in the world yeah and they have to make that link it's a connection so it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's actually quite amazing yes. what they're doing and mm -hmm. that if for me if they're wanting and they're understanding that that link could be there mm -hmm. is a great sign that mm -hmm. you know they, they are developing language they're wanting to be sociable with it mm. and, and they're, they're in their yes yeah, so they're on their language learning Absolutely. journey whereas if yeah. you notice that they weren't yeah like looking and um you know Perhaps you might get their hearing checked yeah, or something yeah, just to make yeah. sure there's not like yeah. a barrier to... What I always say is, you know, it's like a child having a cough. If mm. the cough's gone on for a bit too long, mm. you're not really sure and it feels, it doesn't feel right, mm. then just talk to somebody about mm -hmm. it. The worst that can happen is you mm. turn up and they go, you're oh, being over anxious, there's nothing wrong with them, you know, yeah. carry on. And mm -hmm. that's, that's a, you know, mm. fine. Yeah. Parents' instincts, though, need to oh, be gosh, trusted, yeah. don't they? Because we've got into a little bit of an expert... Sort of overriding parental yeah, instinct. So yeah. basically, if you feel that they're not really kind of paying attention yeah. or like communicating, then yeah. just follow it up, and yeah, no absolutely. one's going to you yeah. know tell and you off. Lots, for you know, we're really out, lucky in mm. this area in, in Cheltenham. There's lots of drop-in clinics, for example, with speech mm. and language therapists at some of the mm. um, children's centres. There's obviously private ones as well. Mm. You know, just just go and ask mm -hmm. somebody. There's, yeah. You know, and. If they're a little bit concerned, they might give you some advice of things mm. you can practice, things like um, blowing through a straw because it mm. strengthens mouth muscles, for example, yeah. or practicing that mm. social aspect of language. So mm. there's lots of little mm. things that, that, that people can recommend, you know, experts mm. can recommend. And um, um, so for parents who want to support you know, good language acquisition for the children. I always imagine it's a little bit like being a TV chef and yeah. you're narrating Absolutely. everything that you're doing. Yeah. So, because um, sometimes you can feel a little bit false talking to, a, you know, um, someone who's not responding mm -hmm. um, with words, you know, obviously they're responding with eye contact and that sort of thing. So if you were just in the kitchen and your baby's in their little bouncer chair and you're emptying the dishwasher... You know, is that a good... Just, just, just narrate, be, just, just say what you're doing, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm just done 
you know, taking out the plates and, mm-hmm. oh gosh, look, we've got four forks today and let's mm. put them back in the right place. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just talk to them about mm. what's going on in the world. As you say, it feels mm. a bit awkward at first when you're yeah. first doing it, but then it becomes quite natural. Mm. Um, and I think to add into that, it's really important that you also respond to baby. So if baby starts cooing, mm-hmm. you know, even at a couple of months, mm. if they're looking at you and they start making a noise, mm. res- you know, stop what you're saying, just as if there was another adult in the mm. room and go, oh, yeah, that's really interesting. I hadn't mm-hmm. thought of that. Or, yeah. oh, oh, yeah, I did miss a fork. There's five, actually, well yeah. noticed. And mm. that's probably, that might not have been what they were indicating. Mm-hmm. They might have just been making a noise mm. because, you know, they're starting to get hungry. But actually, mm. you're showing them how that... Yes, how their, their how conversation power works. in the conversation. I think mm. that's really important, and it encourages them to make more um, interactions like yeah. that. And I, you know, if you're, you know, stuck for something to do, you could just pick up a book and t- talk through yeah. that, or yeah, sing yeah. a song. Yeah. You know, songs are why, great. Why are songs good actually? Because that's you know, so, I mean, so, there seems to be something special about singing mm. in and of itself. So mm. aside from learning language, singing seems to make us happier. There's mm. loads of work now in terms of mm. singing with the elderly for example or singing with Mm -hmm. people who might have mental health problems Mm. um there seems to be something special about Mm -hmm. singing and humans yeah and you found it find it in Mm. all cultures which for me is always a big sign that there's something special about it and and through time as well humans have always sung and we've told stories Mm. through it we've Mm. you know we've kept things alive through songs Mm -hmm. so and i think that's true with babies as well Mm. there seems to be something really special Mm -hmm. about singing i think it makes mum feel better mm-hmm. because there's something about singing that's important to us mm. as humans babies respond to it because it's quite melodic it's yeah. you know it's soothing and presumably it reinforces the intonation yeah of, of yeah. the language you're yeah singing in yeah. as well it's yeah. sort of and, and catch uh, you know easy to catch on to yeah how to form the the phrases and things so if you're um singing a song um you know your baby's brain is absorbing lots of is lots of different aspects yeah. of it. obviously it's about the the song and the words but also about the feelings yeah. and it's kind of a absolutely like a, a, a unit of you know good care model really yeah. isn't it and you, know? you might you yeah. know you might be singing Incy Wincy Spider and mm. babies never really had any I mean, they've got a concept of rain mm. and that they've been out in their pushchair with, mm. the, you know, rain cover on top, for example. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, you, you realise two years down the line that every time it rains, mm. they sing Incy Wincy Spider. So mm. they've made that link between, mm-hmm. again, sort of quite an abstract song yeah. words. Mm. You know, we talked about how a- language is abstract mm. in the sense mm. of it's just noises that we make. Mm. Um and some, you know, an event in the world, and they've they've assigned it to mm. it, which I think is quite mm-hmm. fascinating. Yeah. So talking about the abstract, then. Mm-hmm. So um, in our previous conversations, we've talked about how babies can hear sounds, yes. and they link them to, oh, this is language. But then there's also a point where a sound just becomes a noise, like a tapping pencil on yeah. a table is yeah. a noise, but it doesn't signify language. Yeah. So in the first couple of years, a baby's particularly you know, sensitive to all sounds? Yeah, so going back to sort of what we said about the Mm. synapses and them having loads of Mm. things active in their brain Mm. in the first couple of years, um, and included in those is lots of different language sounds. So basically Mm. what we think is happening is Mm. when babies are born, Mm. they are sensitive to all Mm. language sounds. So anything, in any language, Mm. they can hear, they can perceive, they can process in their Mm -hmm. brain. At about the age of two, Mm. they start sort of 
lessening their awareness, if mm. you like, to the ones that maybe aren't as relevant. So, mm. I'll, you know, put it into context. If you've got a baby that's learning just English mm. in the home and um, has never really heard any other language, mm. they're not going to need, um, say, African click sounds mm. um, to be active in their perception well, because, of sounds because, well, because it's not it won't something they elicit need. care from exactly. their caregivers. I mean, that's exactly is that what language is for? Is to, yeah. to be yeah. looked after. And also, yeah. we like yeah. to be quite efficient in mm. our brains. So, if something's not being used, mm. we like to sort of file it away. That mm. doesn't mean it's lost. Mm. It just means it's not on your desk, if yeah. you like. Okay. Um, so, for example, there's research by. Um, some colleagues in Vancouver in Canada, mm. um, Janet Worker and her um, lab, who look at say, lots of different speech sounds. So the classic one is um, Japanese adults who can't tell the difference between L and R. Mm -hmm. um, quite a common example. It's used quite a lot in, mm. in um, academic talks. But what we do know is that Japanese infants mm -hmm. under the age of two can tell mm -hmm. the difference between L and R. Mm -hmm. Um, so we know that at some point, all these adults who, you know, no longer able to pronounce mm. L and R differently mm. would have been able to. Yeah. So it's and about whether they had the exposure to that. Exactly. And, and, also, it's, and it's a need to know basis, isn't yeah, it? Like absolutely. if you don't need to know it, then. Yeah. It's the no same with African clicks. You know, mm. as an English speaker, um, if you hear an African clicks language, mm. It, it's mind-blowing, mm. you know, if you've never heard it before. Mm. Um, it just, as you say, it just sounds maybe like a pen mm. tapping mm. or, you know, a, a sound you might make to cattle, for example. You know, like... Mm. Why you know, it to my cat? Example. Exactly. <laughs> um, so it's, you know, for us to, to recognise sort of some of the, mm. the small differences in some of these clicks that make them into different mm -hmm. speech sounds... Is pretty much impossible mm. as adults if we've never heard it before. Yeah, it would actually, take a really long time to. Yeah, absolutely. Build it's up not the that it's not possible, it. but mm. it's it would be really. I mean, you know, mm. if you listen, you won't be able to hear all the different mm. sounds. Whereas babies who have been growing up in an English-speaking household mm. can hear the difference between mm. African clicks. Mm. Um, in a, sorry, in an African click-speaking household, yeah, they can. Absolutely. You know, they've, if they've had the exposure, they would you know, just naturally bring that into their repertoire. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, amazing. So the sensitive periods then, we're getting to sort of age two yeah. and, you know, we don't like to talk about the critical window because no. as Thomas Back and I were chatting about in our first series, you don't just suddenly wake up one morning and that's it. No. You, you know, you, the window is closed. You can't learn anymore, but it's just you're particularly in tune in your first two years. And you were saying that at two, you've got the most capacity yeah absolutely um, i think critical periods a bit mm, misleading because mm, as you say it makes it sound as if beyond that point all is lost yes. and that's particularly with language that's mm. absolutely not the case you know we've all got examples either of our mm. own or friends who mm. have learned a new language from scratch at the age mm. of 15 for example mm. or 9 or 10 mm. or even 50 mm -hmm. um so you know I, I think critical periods a bit especially it's easier when you're very young yeah absolutely. to you know yeah. just bring it into your natural yeah. um natural ease of use of the sounds and yeah. the grammar and the vocabulary yeah, um but it's not a window no that, it, that it's like the analogy that i used mm. with the cabinet and the desk mm. we keep the languages that we've 
been exposed to and we use regularly mm. on the desk in front of us mm -hmm. to use. Mm. Um, and then we have a whole host of other sounds mm. that we have that we haven't used or we haven't been exposed to mm. in a cabinet. That doesn't mean that that cabinet mm. can't be opened. And, and it can and it can indeed be opened many many years yeah, later. Absolutely. Like um, there's that piece of research with Korean orphans yes. who have been adopted into Dutch families. Yes, and they haven't really heard Korean sort of since yeah. the age of one and some of the babies were six or five months old yeah. when they moved to the Netherlands and then they did a Korean course in their 20s mm -hmm. with a control group who'd never heard Korean and the babies who'd had Korean exposure were just much better Absolutely. at producing yeah. Korean sounds. Yeah. And these were babies yeah. who hadn't, mm. weren't aware that they knew Korean in no. any way, you know, yeah. in a, a sort of in a conscious way. way. Yeah, they hadn't sort of, be, you know, that wasn't part yeah. of their conscious mind i don't know yeah, if i'm getting exactly. my vocabulary correct there but they you know it was stored away it's exactly, just amazing yeah. isn't it yeah. you yeah, know it's, um it's brilliant so um let's have a think then about um some of the concerns if you are not interacting with your child mm -hmm. so basically you you know your parents are talking to children and they're trying to mm -hmm. you know encourage communication back and forth etc yes. so um We've had lots of interesting conversations before about cases of neglect yes. where children have not been yeah. um, exposed to sound. So how, how does that work? So a famous example is Jeannie, Jeannie yeah. in America. Isn't yeah, it? so she's yeah. quite a famous example. Um, she was found quite late on. I think it's mm. about 11 or 12 years old. Mm. Um, and she had been um, basically locked in a room on her own um, in mm. you know, very unfavorable circumstances. Her parents didn't interact with her. She had very little stimulation from the environment. I can't remember mm. exactly, but I, f I don't think she had any toys or mm. anything so available terrific. to her. She spent quite a lot of time mm. strapped to a potty. Oh, um, so, you know, really, mm. really horrendous situation. Um, and when she was found, obviously she hadn't developed any language. Mm. Um, and, you know, researchers worked with her quite extensively mm. to try, not just researchers and, and care workers, to mm. try and develop her language. Mm. And, you know, she did. She learnt a few words. Mm. She was able to use, um, you know, maybe some gestures, maybe mm. some pictures to help communicate. So there was an element of mm. communication there. Mm -hmm. But actually, she never really learnt language to right. any sort of usable mm. capacity um, mm -hmm. in sort of typical society mm. if you like you know you would always mm. be able to tell that there was something mm. different about her language abilities if you like. so that's a tricky one because we don't know the exact circumstances yeah. of her early life to be exactly so you can't say yeah. whether she was on a trajectory mm -hmm. for you know um the mean language yeah. development anyway and that's the you mm. know the the unfortunate um, point about lots of these children who are who are found and are found to these days you know there's, there's still children being found in situations mm -hmm. where they've been neglected by their parents but well, there was a really high profile case a few months ago in Russia exactly. yeah, yeah yeah so but the the issue is that we don't actually know as you say what the circumstances prior to neglect were so mm -hmm. these quite often might be children who might not have had the capacity to develop language mm. anyway mm -hmm. um and you know, i'm not i'm not justifying it in mm. any way of course but you know often parents might mm. struggle with a child who's not mm. developing typically and that mm. might lead to um you know some of the situations we see well, as horrendous as that is mm. we can never exclude that so mm. it's really hard to mm. draw conclusions about 
when you language can only see development one side when you can only you know we only equation. have the child once it's been through this horrendous mm. um situation mm. what we can compare studies say like genie mm. to is um the equivalent um say that when they're when, children be neglected but say not on their own right um so say twin pairs for example mm. i think there was a um twin pair i think they were in russia again but i i can't remember exactly um and they again had been neglected mm. by their parents they were found a little bit younger than Jeannie. i think mm. they were found at about the age of seven mm. um but they went on actually to develop very typically they acquired language mm -hmm. i think they went on to get degrees at university and become you know mm. in in their way successful mm. um in the world not to say that having to have a degree mm. is what's going to make you successful but you know it to but, put into context mm -hmm. there it didn't hold them back very well from, um yeah. after being found mm. um so uh, you know so the uh, fact that they had been together yeah i mean i feel like that makes mm. a huge difference mm. because they had the opportunity to develop an interaction a type of communication with each other mm -hmm. um whereas genie was completely mm. solitary she had no opportunity to develop communication with mm. anyone mm. Um, and i think that's probably quite a vital so it difference. really is a very social thing isn't very it social. language yeah. you know we, yeah. we develop it in yeah. a context of other beings and yeah. um you've given me before an um an example of the nicaraguan yeah so that's um, orphans fascinating. what's that about? so the, in nicaraguan um the, uh, there was a large population of deaf children who were institutionalized mm. um and at the time there was no official sign language mm. training or any sort of training to help them communicate which meant that you had a whole group of children mm. who couldn't develop verbal mm. language mm. um and they developed their own mm. sign language. Wow. And the first sort of generation, if you like, of Nicaraguan children, it was a very iconic language. So, you know, numbers, for example, would be very much reliant on digits on your fingers, mm -hmm. of your fingers. Um, and then as you see them going through their generations, if you like, so as the next, mm. um, so as the, the next stage of children who were taught by the first generation oh, okay. as they learnt the language mm. um it became more and more abstract so they became it became mm. they could make it more complex oh wow so it actually time. well just like any language yeah. i presume like with um you know generations teaching the next yeah one it develops its own and it changes and adapts and mm -hmm. becomes more useful for the situation that they're yeah. in i guess yeah, so it's fascinating this is really. pushing us towards the idea that it's chomsky who yeah. has this innate language is an innate yeah, uh, yeah. human absolutely um driver like yeah. a, something yeah. that we do intuitively you can't yeah. really stop humans from communicating no and yeah. chomsky talks about the language acquisition device so this mm. is some kind of mechanism within the brain mm. that sort of if you like intuitively um picks up language and stores it in the mm. right way and allows you to process it and as you say it's sort mm. of um you can't stop it mm -hmm. in a typical situation obviously we talked about mm. neglect and mm. deprivation um but yeah that there's something there there's there's other mm. theories you know there's the behaviorist theory mm. who believe that it's very much based around I guess this is the other extreme from mm. Chomsky, um, who believe that um, reinforcement is what causes language. Mm -hmm. So behaviorists are, are people who believe in mm. um, 
reward and punishment and you know broadly speaking mm. that you can make a behavior stronger by rewarding it um the classic sort of mm. dogs drawling that you know they mm. draw more when you give them um more biscuits more biscuits thank you <laughs> um, went blank there for a second um and you can you can mm. stop a behavior if you punish it so if they're given an mm. electric shock every time they try and go and eat they'll stop and try and go to eat mm. so um th that's how language develops as well so babies right get this positive reinforcement when they start particularly around the few, first few words you mm. know you're, they, when they say that mama you know mummy gets oh, very excited and, you wow, know, and clapping and excited yeah. and mm. um and that that's what's encouraging mm. them to um develop i think that's actually bit. quite useful if you're looking at older um like teenagers and yeah. adults learning a language because yeah. if you don't get positive reinforcement yeah. through say gcse yeah. french you're going to feel really put off yeah and then I've seen quite a lot of adults who've come to babies classes and they have obviously been emotionally damaged by <laughs> yeah. the lack of like positive reinforcement yeah. so maybe yeah. it works in sort of like not duality but you know yeah, there's a, a balance of different I'm, things happening isn't it? we want to communicate it's natural but then if we feel punished for yeah. taking the first steps we're going to be put off yeah. doing it aren't yeah. we absolutely mm. i think you know with with a lot of theories in psychology and this is a good example of it it's sort of a balance mm. of lots of different things going on i definitely think there's a place for mm. reinforcement and if you've got a bad experience it's going to put mm. you off yes um it, you know we're not robots different right. people will be put off mm. to different levels and some people yeah. will decide not to be put off but um you know there does seem to be a mechanism there that allows us to learn language relatively naturally given mm. the right circumstances mm. um but also that be positive, mm. give them some praise, and, and it's, yeah. it encourages it further. Oh, lovely. So to, just to draw this um, part of our conversation to a conclusion, so if you are a parent, you can encourage your child's mm -hmm. language acquisition process just by interacting with them, Absolutely. and it's natural for them to yeah. sort of seek out a response and, you know, thrive on yeah. positive reinforcement and praise. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, the interaction is mm. absolutely the most important bit, mm. and even before they're verbally... Mm. Um, responding to you I think it's really important to be making those conversations you know yes. around books around mm. anything yes yeah, so they might not produce the sounds yeah. for a while but they are still very much perceiving yeah. them and, yeah. and drawing it all into their and they'll have facial expressions and they'll mm. have gestures and all of those um, it's, it's important to be picking up on them and using them mm -hmm. as cues that's right brilliant yeah. um, in our second part of our interview we can talk yeah. about um, how children learn more than one language yes. and um, I shall look forward to discussing yeah. that with you shortly. Thank, Thank you, you very Kat. much. Take care. Bye.